0: difficulties over there. Um, So we're in our series called Breath, our last installment. So if you would turn in your Bibles back to 2 Timothy chapter uh, 3, and we're going to be looking again at verses uh, 16 and 17. We've we've taken, this is our fourth week, kind of working our way through uh, these two verses, which are extremely important in terms of our view of God's word, the Bible, and so on. And so if you guys would uh, read with me very quickly uh, these two verses. Here's the word of God. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped, For every good work. Let's pray real quick. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you um, uh, that uh, your word is your breath. Breathed out by you. Given to us for life and salvation. And the goodness of knowing you and your son Jesus. And so speak even through this word this morning. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So breath. What a strange name for a series. We've used every kind of association we can think of in terms of breath. I've tried. We've talked about bad breath, dog breath, and even puppy breath. But breath is vital to life, isn't it? It's something we always do. We're always doing it involuntarily as they say. And the thing about breath is if you're breathing clean, healthy air, it's a great thing to be doing. However, if the air is polluted or toxic. Breathing can actually kill you. And we've talked about how this world gives us bad breath. It, the world has halitosis. Because what comes out of the world is toxic and leads to death. And, so, and we're always breathing in. We're always breathing out, breathing in, breathing out. And, and what God's word offers us we're told in that the bible that all scripture the 66 books of the old and new testament are in fact breathed out by god they are the very words of god and we've seen that this this bible these 66 books are god's word and because of that it is very valuable to us Um, not yet not yet. We'll get there. All right. When we, we saw that valuable is good, and, we, and that because it's God's word, because it's breathed out by him, it should be very valuable to us. But like the individual we talked about last week who found that egg, that metal egg, and he couldn't pawn it for a while, and then he looked up the name on the bottom of it, and it turned out to be a Fabergé egg worth like 33 million dollars. I said, that's a valuable egg worth $33 million, but it wasn't useful, <laughs> right? What are you, you going to do with a Fabergé egg other than just look at it? You can make it a doorstop or a paperweight, but that's a really expensive. Now, maybe it's valuable to the museum that now it ha, you know, has this you know, extremely valuable Fabergé egg, this might maybe useful so that people can come and look at it or whatever. But for most people, it's not useful. But here's the thing about God's word is that we're told not only is God's word breathed out by God, and, and it's valuable because God's words are life, their creation, their love, their beauty, their creativity. Everything good is comes out of God's mouth. We saw that. And it is extremely valuable. But we're told here, not only that, but God's word is useful. It's profitable. It's advantageous to us. And we saw that it was just kind of reviewing what we've done the last four weeks. We saw that in the first way is that it tells us how to think. How to think rightly and, and how we sometimes think wrongly. And how the gospel... The good news and God's word should inform how we think and how we shouldn't think. But also how we should live and how we shouldn't live. It, it guides us to show us how we're going wrong and it corrects us. And it also uh, gives us training, like a child being ris- raised up, and training in the right way of going. And so it's it's profitable, it's useful to us. But here's a question I want to kind of t- hit today in this last actually the, the, actually, verse 17 why why is why does it matter that the God's word is useful what's the point what's the goal why does it who cares if it tells us how to think or not think and all these things how to live how not to live and so on why does that matter okay now you can get my strain up here, okay? I'm just, just going to lay out here. The, val- the Bible is valuable and profitable to us so that we can be complete and fully ready for every good word. And so this, so that. This, it's, a, it's a purpose statement. He's saying, God's word, all scripture is God-breathed and profitable, useful, so That. Here's the reason why. So that we might become complete and fully ready for every good work. And so I want to just kind of look at these two things here. There's really two things here: that we would be complete and that would be that we would be fully equipped and ready for every good work. So, first of all, God's word makes us complete. It's an interesting statement, isn't it? And the word here is to be um to, to be well fitted for some function, complete, capable—maybe another word might be proficient. Able to meet all demands is kind of the word here. So, he's saying that, that the man of God and the woman of God should be ready and complete, ready to go, it's fully ready, and always ready to go. But here's the implication, though: if God words is what makes us complete, then God's word is sufficient to make us complete. Do you follow me here? So it's God's word, is the, it is capable and sufficient to do the job that it set out to do. Now some people seek other visions, some people seek other revelations, they'll seek a word of wisdom from somebody, or they'll... They'll try to find uh, you know, wisdom and, and other areas of life and so on. They'll go to the self-help book sections. They'll do all these things trying to make themselves complete. And that's the thing. Every one of us, we, we, whether we think we're doing it or not, we are all seeking to be complete, aren't we? We're, trying to see, we're seeking to, to be to have that sense of, of fullness, satisfaction, And we very often people going off seeking these things in areas other than God's word, and we're told here, we we don't need a vision, we don't need a new revelation, or some burning bush, or some uh, some other experience, or some other thing. Okay, we need God's word and God's word alone. It is sufficient. And so in the theological world, we call it the sufficiency of Scripture. It is enough. We don't need to add to it. And so we need to be sitting at the feet of Jesus, sitting at the feet of Jesus and his word like Mary was. When they had the dinner party, you remember the story? And Martha was really busy doing the dishes and, you know, she gets angry because Mary is sitting and not doing anything. And Paul says, leave her alone. She, Paul, Jesus says, leave her alone. She knows what's best here. She was soaking up what she needed in the word. So, God's word is sufficient. We don't need to add to it. That's a big implication here. Is that because it is God's word, it's God's breath, it's breathed out to us. The 66 books, of the Old New Testament, the Bible is enough to make you complete. OK, so but let's ask a question. What does it mean to be complete? What does it mean to be a complete man or woman of God? What does that entail? It's a good question, isn't it? Okay, is it and so I w- I'm going to summarize it here. I would say that it means that we are completely saturated with the word of God. OK, the, the breath of God. OK, which is the gospel. It means that we are so soaked and saturated with God's word that when life comes and life hits, life happens, that gospel comes out. It's like a sponge, right? If 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 there's air in a sponge and you squeeze air in a sponge, what comes out? Air. If it's wet and there's water in it, you squeeze it, what comes out? Water. Water. Very simple idea here is that we would be so saturated with the gospel. What's the gospel? Very quickly. And it's the story of the Bible. I was just reading a great book by uh, Jerry Wilson called Gospel Wakefulness. And he's like, once you've awakened and and you've seen the beauty of the gospel, you start seeing it on every page. You see it throughout, all the way through scripture. How it either points to it, alludes to it, or tells us it directly. It's all through there. And the gospel is that human beings created by a holy, righteous God. And they rebelled and, and turned away from him and, and plunged the human race into sin and destruction and ultimately death. And, that, and so God began to build a people for himself and a plan of redemption that would ultimately consummate in his only son coming, living a perfect life we could never live and dying a death that we perfectly deserve. Why? Why? He took our place so that we could take his place. So that now we can stand beautiful and righteous before him. Blameless before him. And that we can now be called his sons and daughters. So that That's that central truth. So to be complete is to be so saturated with the centrality of the good news of the gospel. Is that when life comes and life happens. And it... When when the pressures and the pains and the struggles of life happen, what comes out? When your football team, I'm I'm confessing today, sorry. When your football team embarrasses themselves uh, over in Alabama, uh how do you respond? And I have to say, yesterday my response was not very gospel saturated. Okay? I'm sorry. Uh, Amanda, bless her heart, because it was not good yesterday. I, I was not oozing gospel. So when we're so saturated with the gospel, that's what it means to ultimately be full and complete in a simple way of looking at it, okay? So God's word makes us complete. Secondly, God's word equips us for every good work. Now, why does God save us? Why why in the world would God attempt to save us? Why would God send his own son to die on a cross for us? Why would he do that? Have you ever thought about that? Why? Well, we know one reason is he loves us. And He, he longs and delights to be with us. We don't think about that very much. It's reading a book called The Seed and it's it's a, it's called A True Myth. And in this I I, won't, I don't want to give anything away of the story, but basically God or it describes him as love shows up and, and the whole time the main characters have been running from love, thinking it was a, this shadow of emptiness, it was actually their own shadow cast by his light. And and one of the things he says to the to the lady in the story is like, I, I love being with you. That just really struck me. I was like, do I think that God would love to be with me? That's, a, that's an interesting question. I usually think God's kind of pulling his hair out, whatever. But God loves being with you. You know, even when your football team loses and you act like a jerk, <laughs> he loves you. He longs to be with you. Okay, but there's another reason. Why God has saved us and why He's given us His Word, and that's that we would be complete, ready for every good work, as He says it here. That we would be ready for good works, as Paul calls it. What good works? Um, He says this in Ephesians chapter two, verses eight through ten. It's amazing. I love this passage. It's such a great, rich passage telling us of the gospel. It says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Isn't that amazing? I love that. Go, not the result of works that no one may boast. We can't accomplish it. It's been done for us. It's a gift. Go on. For by grace, back, back up. By grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Go on. Not a result of works that no man may boast. Keep going. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should work in them, walk in them. So, this word for here, if you see for or the word therefore in the Bible, you ask, Why is it there? What's it there for? Have you heard that before? Okay. He's saying we've been saved by grace. It's not, nothing we could have contributed. It is a gift of God. Why? Because we are his workmanship. We are His, his creation now in Christ Jesus. Why? For good works. Which God himself has prepared for us. So who does the good works? Is it God or is it us? I love these kind of questions. Is it God or is it us? Yes. Isn't that cool? We can't even take credit for our works. But that's, we'll go, that's a whole other story. But we are created in Christ Jesus. He has saved us. He has sent his son Jesus to die for us so that we would do, we would live out good works. Okay? And so, um, our relationship with Jesus, the love of the gospel, should begin to produce what Paul calls good works. Okay, now what do, what does he mean here? Is this what I, I want to be careful here? Is we're not ta- I'm not talking about like religious external behavior. Because if you remember Jesus, uh, his greatest adversaries in his life and ministry were the religious leaders of the day, and they were Pharisees. And they prided themselves, they lived their lives with trying to live out what they called good works. And they went to, they went to temple you know, regularly. They went to church every week. They read their Bibles regularly. They did all these things. They would, they would even tithe. They would even give 10%. Even to the point if they found, Jesus talks about this, if they found a little bush of mint, a little tree, a little mint plant, they, and it had ten leaves on it, they would tithe one leaf. They were meticulous in doing the religious right things to do. And one of the, the big areas that they missed were love and mercy and grace and all of those heart character things that Paul talks about, calling them the fruits of the Spirit. So, so we are created to do good things, to be good people, but we're supposed to. It's supposed to flow out of the heart. And, and when we are saturated with the gospel, and, and and we get squeezed, or or we just overflow with love, generosity, and so. And and Paul talks about. Um, he, he lists so many different things, and he says against these things, there is no law. If there's love, you don't need law, do you? If everybody's loving one another, everybody's giving to one another, serving one another, sacrificing for one another, you don't need rules and laws. Rules and laws are for rule and lawbreakers. I don't need a lock on my front door if nobody's going to rob me. Right? But now we don't just need locks on our doors. I, can, I grew up in a hometown where you didn't lock your door. People would just come and go if they wanted, you know? We didn't worry about that, but now you have to have locks in your doors, now you have to have uh, video doorbells, and you have to have alarm systems, and you have to have, um, you know, uh, police officers, and you have to, you know, the layers go. Why? Because there's no love. And so what Paul's talking about here in terms of good works goes way deeper than just being a goody-goody. Being somebody who does the right things, at least the things that they can do right. And that's how we do it normally. When we're normally being goody-goodies or we're being religious, we tend to focus on the things that we're good at. And we criticize people who aren't good at those things. And we, we blind ourselves or we ignore the things that we're not good at. Do You know what I'm talking about? We call those blind spots. And so Paul's talking about here is 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 gospel good works. They're good works that flow out of a heart of love and generosity um, in, in seeking, okay? However, this requires tr- equipping or training. I mean, the, the reality is as fallen, broken human beings, we don't naturally do that. What is my response when my football team isn't doing well or doing horrible? What is my response when somebody criticizes me, what is my response when things aren't going well? When I'm, when I'm in pain or I'm suffering and those kinds of... What is my response? And very often, if, if, you, if we're honest with ourselves, it's not good. When that guy cuts you off in traffic, your kingdom, your rights, your, your honor has been affronted. And so you honk and give hand gestures... But maybe that's not your struggle, you know. Maybe it's you're really good at cleaning your house or you're really good at your job or dressing well. Maybe you're just good looking and you see people that aren't and you look down your nose at them. We do it. And so, to be complete, to be, and it's interesting, this uh, verse, just bring up a title slide for me. This verse here he mentions that, that the man of God would be complete. And then he says, in order that, that we would be equipped for every good work. Both of these words are pretty much the same word. And he's kind of saying that, he, that we would be, that the man of God would be complete, completed for good work. It's, it's, a, it's a kind of a redundancy. But he's saying he wants, he wants, he wants God's people to be complete gospel-saturated people that are gospel-saturated, equipped people who do what God has asked them to do, following His will for them. And so that requires what we... I'm going to go back to last week, those things that are useful. It is profitable for teaching reproof, teaching us how to think, how to think gospel, and how to... Um, and how not to think gospel. There's times in God's word where we, we, it confronts how we are thinking, how we are approaching, how we are looking at the situation, and it, and it's, it reproves us. And then second two was in correction. And correction had to do with if you're, if you're heading in the wrong direction, it helps you direct away from that direction. So if you're going to drive off a cliff, or like we mentioned, that road over there off of 220, old hard road that has that 90 degree turn. And people have not noticed that's a 90 degree turn too late in the middle of the night and have not lived just to see the next day. It, and so God's word corrects us. "says You're going the wrong direction. And then it says training in righteousness. That, and this idea of training had to do with uh, being raised up like a child. And uh, actually it's the, the word Pedagogy. Ever heard that word before? Pedagogy comes right out of that Greek word, which is to train up a child, to raise up a child in the right way. And we need that. And so we need the negative side and we need the positive side. Okay? And because you can't just tell people, remember we talked about what not to wear, the show? And how they, they tell people, you can't wear this stuff. And they throw this stuff in the garbage and all that. But then they go through a process of training them how to dress rightly. And that's the fun part, right? Because they, they, they struggle through that process. And like, just like we do. You know, they go to the store and they buy them ugly pants or whatever it is. you know. And, so, and that's what we, we're the same way. And so we have to learn what is right. Because we don't naturally do that. And we have to very often be confronted, corrected, and reproved. And so there's that negative side. And, uh, we, and God's word is adequate and, and, and sufficient to do that. Bring up, yes, thank you. He's right with me here. It's Hebrews 4.12. It says, for the word of God is living and active. Of course it is. If it's breathed out by God, it's life. Okay? It's living active, sharper than any two-edged sword piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Now, that is invasive. Is it not? I mean, that makes you want to go, ooh, you know? It's like, it's looking behind the veil here. That God's word, when we get in it, it begins to divide and, and, and to dissect. It reminds me of a story... Um, I've, I I think I've used this before, but I love it so much. I, I just keep using it. It's uh, it's a story in uh, *Voyage of the Donner* and uh, Lion, the Witch, and the* uh, in the *Chronicles of Narnia* C.S. Lewis. And uh, one of the children ends up in Narnia. and His name is Eustace, and Eustace is just a just a bad little uh, rotten spoiled kid. And in the story, he finds himself this huge treasure uh that had previously been uh possessed by a dragon and um and so this leads Eustace and Eustace and he begins to take possession of this stuff and this bracelet ends up on his, in his on his hand and he goes to sleep that night and he wakes up and to find that he himself has become a dragon can you imagine and, and so, of course, he is horrified. And, and, and so he goes through the story. And then, and I'm not going to go through the whole story, but later in the story, um, he, he meets up with Aslan, who's this huge lion, Christ like, Jesus like figure in the stories. And in mercy and compassion, Aslan arrives and leads the dragon Eustace to a garden on top of a mountain and into a well at the center of this garden and it says this and Eustace looks at the well and knows if he could just get into the water the pain of his leg with that brace that bracelet thing that he's had on would be soothed but Aslan says if you're going to if you're going to bathe in this you know it was this beautiful life-giving water if you're going to bathe in that you have to undress first he says and after a moment of confusion Eustace remembers that he is a dragon and that dragons have skins like snakes which could be shed and with his new claws, Eustace begins tearing his dragon skin. And he peels off one layer, only to discover another nasty, scaly, rough layer underneath. And then another. And after three layers, he realizes it's vain. He will never make himself clean or get rid of his pain or shed his nasty skin. Do you relate to that? You ever been like that? I mean, I, as I, I became a Christian when I was 18 years old. and There was things I didn't even know were wrong I was doing. And I began to read God's words like, oh, Wow. You know, and so I, you know, I spent so many, so much time trying to improve myself, trying to s- pull those scales off, pull those scales off. And every time I pull back another layer, it seems like there's another one right underneath. And the story goes on. Um, that Aslan says, I have to undress you. And so he he, he lays back and em- embraces for Aslan to undress him, and he says, he says this. The very first tear he made was so deep, I thought it had gone right into my heart. And when he began pulling the skin off, it hurt worse than anything I've ever felt. The only thing that made me able to bear it was just the pleasure of feeling the stuff peeled off. Well, he peeled the beastly stuff right off just that I thought I had done it myself the other three times, only they hadn't hurt. And there it was lying on the grass, his scaly skin, only ever so much thicker and darker and more knobbly looking than the others had been. And there I was, as smooth and soft as a peeled switch and smaller than I had been. He, then he caught hold of me. And I did not like that very much for I was very tender underneath Now that I had no skin. And threw me into the water. And it smarted. I like that word. It smarted like anything but only for a moment. And after that it became perfectly delicious. And as soon as I started swimming and splashing around. That all the pain had gone from my arm. And then I saw why. I had turned into a boy again. There's the picture of God's word sometimes painfully tearing us open that we might be rid of these scaly, horrible things about ourselves. The things that we, we try to hide even from our own selves sometimes. And the gospel sometimes tears deep and hurts. But you know, the, the good news is it doesn't leave us there. You know, it, it, it throws us into the water. It, it offers the soothing, soothing, Beauty of ba- the balm of his grace and mercy. There's so many verses that 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 shower these things on us. I, one of my favorites, and I've preached through this a couple of times, is in Lamentations. Who's read the book of Lamentations? Hang on, let's okay, leave it. That's fine. Who who? If you, I mean, if you've read through the book of Lamentations, it's a rough read. I mean, it, it, it's Jeremiah. They call him the weeping prophet, and and it's a it is a lament. Because his people, his nation has been destroyed by Babylon and they've been sent off into exile and he just goes nuts lamenting and whining and complaining and going on about it. And right in the midst of it you get these verses. In the worst possible time you get verses like these. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new. Every morning, great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in you. Now, God's mercy, every. You realize that? No matter how much you think God is getting tired of you, no matter how much you're, you think He's frustrated and just done with you, and He's pulled out all His hair because of you, no, His mercy is new, it's fresh. Every morning, every morning, every moment, his mercy, his grace, love for you is always fresh and new. Isn't that amazing? So the the cutting, knife, two-edged sword of God's word that that feels like it's going to cut us in two and kill us sometimes is met with that sweet water of his grace given to us in his word. And so like in Jeremiah, the same Jeremiah says this about his, God's word. He says, your words were found, and I ate them, and your words became to me a joy and delight of my heart, for I am called by your name, O Lord, God of hosts. And so God's word is to make us complete. And, and, and complete and equipped for every good work. So some questions we've asked throughout this series is because we've said like our lives we are taking in all the time we breathe in that's why they call this series breath we breathe in all the time and we breathe out all the time right and so we've asked the question are you breathing in healthy god-given breath are you taking toxic polluted breath from the world and we always breathe out too we don't realize that. But what are we breathing out? Are, are we breathing bad breath? Are we giving out bad halitosis in our lives? Or, as Paul says here, that we would be completed for every good work. That when we breathe out, life, love, generosity, service, goodness comes out of our lives. So what are you breathing? What is Your breath. What does your breath smell like? Is it the sweet aroma of Jesus in your life? Or is it the stank of your selfishness and your stuff that needs to be cut away? It's a good question, isn't it? And so for those of us who know Jesus, we need to be digging in and breathing, eating and and taking in God's Word, regularly, regularly, regularly. But here's a question for you, though. If you don't believe, and you haven't received that love and mercy, let me just tell you, we've already seen it. It is a free gift. It is by grace. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to be good enough. There's not enough things you could do to earn it anyway. You can't earn it. It is a gift. And so let me just invite you to take it. Believe. Trust. Take what Jesus has done for you on the cross. if you're interested in that, I would love to talk to you about it later. And for the rest of us, the challenge has been this series is, are you in the Word? Are you in God's Word? Now, let me just tell you. And don't give me that excuse. We've already talked about this. Oh, I don't read. I'm not a reader. Okay, let me just, how much are you reading on Facebook? And, you know, you've been reading. You, people read way more than you think you read. It's just what you uh, want to read. All right, but here's the challenge. We want you, we want you guys to be in God's word. So uh, we have a challenge. We've been challenging everybody to do. We made this as easy as possible is um, to, that we would, we would all jump into a simple, easy reading plan together. And so we, the challenge has been to go to, and we just kind of make this as simple as possible I see there's coffee spilled, bummer, it's okay, it's right. you know, it's tile floor. So the challenge has been, let's make it easy for you. So we said go to uversion.com, okay, Uh, and right here on on the webpage, still looks like this, says download the Bible app, you can download this Bible app for any device, any platform. Apple, Android, Kindle, and uh, Mac uh, PC, whatever—pretty much anything you can think of. I think even Linux is available for those nerds out there. Uh, Get this Bible app, okay, and and sign up a free account and uh, search in the plans. There's Bible plans. There's a whole bunch of reading plans. All kinds of cool content. But one, we've said, hey, let's just give you all a starting place. Go in there, find the, the the plan. Um, that's called the essential 100 it's 100 days that takes you in short readings through the entire bible pretty cool you know usually partial chapters a couple you know chapters a day super quick, I mean maybe 10 minutes of reading and you kind of get a quick shot overview it's a great way to start here's the thing because I you know we could all say oh I'm going to read through the Bible." Twice this year. I'm going to read through the Bible and most of us start and we can't finish. So we want to give you all a simple place to start. Get started somewhere. You don't have to be a Bible scholar right away. OK, so that's just a, a really quick, easy way to do it. And so let's um, let's close in prayer. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, I'm gonna, y'all go ahead and keep working on that over there. That's all right. OK, Heavenly Father, we thank you um, for your word because it is God breathe It is. Your breath. It is your words, your very words, given to us. And so, Lord, we thank you for these words. And Lord, I pray that we, that you would give us the desire, give us the the discipline, the the um, the give us what it what we need to come and just be in your word, Lord. And, uh, Lord, so help us to at least get started in that. Lord, I pray as we do that, that that your word would indeed, that it would correct us, it would reprove us, but also that it would teach us and train us to be gospel-saturated people whose lives breathe out life and love and generosity and service. And so, Lord, help us in this. We pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen.